The scripture reading for today is found in Acts 16, verses 9 to 15, and it can be found on page 1720. That's Acts 16, verses 9 to 15. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they entered. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, the next, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Father, we've been listening to you often this morning already through words of scripture, through the music, but also just through your presence. And Lord, we've now listened to this passage that Dr. Luke wrote. And I pray that these words these stories may make their way deep inside of us, that they may shape us and form us more and more into who you're creating us to be. And I pray that the words which will be spoken now, may they be your words and not mine. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know exactly where Jesus is leading you? Hmm. How many of you know exactly where Jesus is leading Bethel Church? I didn't expect to see any hands. How about the plans that you've made for your life? or the plans that, that are being made or, or have been made for, for Bethel Church, how do you know that they are Jesus' plans and not our own plans? 
Now, these are, are hard questions. They're not easy questions. And it's hard because we want to listen to Jesus. We want to follow him. We want to be clear on where we're going. And yet it's not always easy. As a church, we went through two years of the church renewal journey. And, and, and that was just the teaching part. But a big part of the church renewal was, was that listening to, to God. And, and listened in many different ways. Listened through, through prayer, praying, had a prayer service. There was encouragement to pray in groups and, and individually different ministries and uh, prayed together. But also listen to, to the word of God. I know as a congregation, read through the book of Acts, the, the growth of the church. Read through different books of the Bible. You got, heard many sermons as well on church renewal. Ways that God speaks to us as well. And then maybe the most interesting way of listening to God was actually listening to our community. Talking to the people that are our neighbors. The people in our neighborhood. I'm not sure exactly. I wasn't here then at the time. But I'm hoping that there was some engagement with some of the local politicians and some of the local businesses and organizations. And then there's that listening to our own passions. Listening to the things that drive us. And I hope that there is listening done to the young adults and to the, to the children and the youth as well. Because the reality is we get lots of wisdom from our seniors. But the passions of our youth and the passions of our young adults is also another way that God leads us forward as well. I know in my own life, the older I get, I'm still passionate, but I don't have the energy all the time as well. And I'm discovering that more and more as my grandson gets older. Um, I don't always have the energy to keep up. And yet his passion about different things gets me going as well. And Paul right now, is he's living out his passion for, for Jesus. He's, he's taken everything that he is and, and all his education and his study and everything else and, and that encounter with Jesus on, on the road to Damascus where, where Jesus confronted him and he is traveling throughout the area. He's going all through Asia Minor and, and he's going to different cities and, and he's teaching people about who Jesus is and he says, I want you to know him as much as I know him. I want you to be as excited about who he is as I am. And, and he's kind of up in this upper right-hand corner and, and he's kind of in the Antioch area, the Lystra, the, the, uh, all those areas as well because that's kind of a Greek area. That's, that's an area where where. When Paul was trained as a Jewish Pharisee, he was trained in the Jewish way, but he was also trained in the Greek way of, uh, of philosophy and, uh, and, and rhetoric and that as well. So, so these are comfortable. This is an area that he is really comfortable with. He understands the culture. He understands the, the people. He understands how they think. 
And he's planning on going even further up into to, to the upper right by the Black Sea on the right-hand side. Because again, they're Asian as well. But, but somehow the Holy Spirit keeps stopping him. It keeps preventing him from, from, from going where, where he wants. And, and then he gets a vision. A vision from a man from, from Macedonia. And that's up in the upper center area. The problem with the people there is they're different. They may not look a lot different, but their culture is really different. And I, I wonder what went through Paul's mind as, as he gets this vision and as he's being prevented from going to different, different to the places where he wants to go. I can just, I can just kind of hear, really, God? Like, like am I the right person? Like, I, I'm not really ready for that yet. Kind of keep me in my sweet spot, in that spot where I'm really good at. You know what? There's other people, you know, who, who can understand and connect better with those, those Macedonians than, than I can. And I wonder if deep in the back of his head, he even says, I'm not sure if I really want to. You know, I like what I'm doing. This is great. Don't you see what's all happening? All these people following you now and, 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 and accepting you? And I wonder for ourselves sometimes, how open are, are we to changing focus and direction if, if Jesus kind of leads us somewhere different than we want to go? I love country music. And if you come down into my study during the week, there will be country music playing in the background. Uh, between country music and, and kind of southern gospel Christian music. One of my favorite songs has become Carrie Underwood's Jesus Take the Wheel. How many of you know that song? Yeah, you're all good country music people. I love you. It's, uh, but the song is a song of distress. She's going through life. Man, and life is tough. But she realizes at some point that, you know what, she's been the one driving her life. And Jesus has been in the passenger seat, given directions, but with no real control to kind of take the wheel and steer where he wants her to go. And in a moment of desperation, she says, Jesus, take the wheel. And that's hard. If we're honest, and... and I ask myself this question all the time as well. Is Jesus really in charge of my life? Or am I hanging on to that steering wheel with all I got? Do I, I read scripture? Do I pray? Do I listen for God as a passenger? Or am I coming to God and saying, where are you taking me? Where are you leading me? Where are you driving this vehicle? Jesus creates ways for us to partner with him. 
He has ways of, of opening doors and calling us to join him and, and do unexpected things for him in our community. To, to become a church and people that, that honestly we never thought we could be. We often underestimate ourselves because we're looking at ourselves rather than at Jesus. We're kind of looking at our own strengths and our weaknesses and saying, ah, you know what, you can't use me. And, and, and I know that feeling. Because when God called me into ministry, began that process, I said, no way. I was a high school dropout, spent almost two years in the Naval Reserve, and just let me tell you, being in the Naval Reserve does things to your language and the way you see things that doesn't really fit in a church setting. And I said, I'm rough. I'm not an academic. I'm not super smart. I kept finding all these ways to say no. Because I was looking at my own weaknesses and how I don't measure up rather than looking at how Jesus can work in me and through me. We forget how powerful Jesus is. We forget to, to, to listen. And, and honestly, one of the most important ways to listen is by listening to our youth and young adults. Listening to, 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 to our community. Because our young adults and, and, and our, our youth are often way more interconnected into the society than we are. We get older and we get caught up in our families, which is a good thing. We get caught up in, in our work and providing for, for, for our families. We get caught up in, in the administration and the running of the church and, and everything else. But, but our young adults, they're, they're still at, at that engagement level. And, and, and God gives dreams and visions and passions to them. And, and, and if we listen to, to them, if we listen to our youth, and we listen to their passion, they, they can ignite that passion in us. And, and Jesus kind of then kind of comes into that passion and says, whoa, okay, you're ready to listen. And, and we listen with different ears and a different heart and with a different mind. What are some of your passions for, for Bethel? What are some of your passions for, for our community? What drives you? Anyone want to share what drives you? What gets you going? If you don't want to share right now, I encourage you to have those conversations with each other. Share with somebody else, you know, what really gets you going, what gets you excited, what, 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 what gets you motivated. And, and it could be something really exciting that's happening, or it could be something that really is horrible that's going on, and you say, I just can't, that's not right, that's not the way it should be. And you want to make a difference.
You want to change. You want to bring healing or hope. And, and, and maybe we need to ask Jesus to create a passion in us. To kind of get our, our hearts and our souls beating and pounding again for, for things that he wants, for, for a desire to follow where he's leading us. Because when, when that passion gets stirred, it's amazing how often it becomes clear where Jesus is leading us. And, and yet, even if we're not exactly sure where he's leading us, we continue doing the work of blessing, of, of growing deeper in our faith, about learning about Jesus, inviting others to join us in following Jesus as we continue the, some of the amazing ministries we're already doing. See, as Paul listens for where Jesus is leading him, he keeps sharing the gospel wherever he's going. He keeps doing those things that he was doing, and, and he heads to that city of, of, of Samothrace, and, and then to Neapolis, and, and finally they end up in Philippi. And, and Philippi is an important city. It's not just... It's, it's probably more of a, an Edmonton or Calgary than a, than a Lacombe type of an area. See, we're on a major road, but... But we're not a destination place. Philippi was on a main highway, and it was a destination place. And people from all over the empire could be found there. It was a Roman colony, so it had a special status as well. The citizens had special rights and, and privileges. And, and the Roman Empire was loved there. It was popular. It was a little bit of Rome found in Macedonia. But there's not a whole lot of Jewish people there. Which meant that, that Paul's normal place of starting things in the, in the synagogue couldn't happen. So he's got to hang around for a couple days. And for Paul, that's not always easy for him. But he was a tent maker. So he would have been in the marketplace. He would have been working as he's also sharing his faith. But he's waiting really to get connected into the Jewish community. So he waits until the Sabbath, and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, how exactly he was kept from one area and now guided to, to the riverside, he makes his way there. And he's expecting to find Jewish people worshiping there on the Sabbath. Now, he doesn't find so much a Jewish group there, but he finds Lydia and another a, a group of women, and Lydia's a, a God worshiper, so somehow she came to know about the Jewish God. But he finds a group of women. So now imagine what's going through Paul's head. Okay, wait a minute, God. Uh, it was a Macedonian guy that you put in my vision? I can't find any of these guys. But there's these women here, and one of them worships you. So I'm going to start here. And he does. And, and as he shares, the Lord opens Lydia's heart. And she says, yeah, Jesus truly is the promised Messiah. He is the Son of God. And and she asks to get baptized, and she gets baptized, her and her household, and, and, and she invites Paul, implores Paul. The, the, the Greek word is, 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 is this not just inviting, it's, come on, you got to stay at my place. And what happens there is, is that the church, first church in Macedonia, the first church in Europe is, is planted. And we kind of go, wow, this is cool. This is how God kind of gets into, into, into Europe from Asia. 
but the problem is we're looking at it the wrong way. Brian Peterson says this text stresses that it's God who's in control of the mission, God who sets the direction, God who determines the results. Social and cultural barriers crumble. This corner of the empire is beginning to be changed by God's grace. God's mission moves forward because his followers listen to his moving and, and were willing to put God's missions first over their own plans and desires. And, and I don't know what our, what, what our particular plan is in terms of, of where Jesus is leading us. There's so many churches in Lacombe and, and the greater area, and there's a divine plan for, for each of us. But, but how willing are we to take the time and, and put the energy to listen to God in prayer and, and taking a deep look at the passions that live in our hearts hearts and souls and lives for, for Bethel and, and for the people of Acom. I, I think we need to listen to each other again, spend some time, listen again to our community and, and the needs within our community so that we're able to bless them with acts of service and offer invitations to join us. Invitations that are, that are based in, in shown love and concern for them. Eric Barreto writes, learn to find opportunities to do God's work in unexpected places. And, and I would add, with unexpected people. You see, because Jesus is all about people. We, we tend to look at this story as a geographic story, but this is a people story. This is a, a story about people who are different culture, different background, different than the Jews, different than the Greeks, different ways of looking at things. And yet God says, but they're all my people. Remember, go to the people, go to the nations. The, the picture in Revelations is, is the nations coming down to bow before Jesus. And Paul's passion has to, has to shift from just the Greeks and the Jews, and, and now it has to shift to all the people in the world, to a whole new different culture and a whole new group of, of people. See, Jesus went to the cross, and, and he took all our sin, the sin we do every day, the sin that stains us, the, the sin that keeps us away from God, and, and he washes it away in his death. And in his resurrection, there's this pouring out of the Spirit to draw people, not church projects, not to draw people to Jesus, to our Heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally and wants everyone in the world to know this. And this love shapes our lives as we respond in love to God and offer our neighbors the greatest love we can offer them, the love of Jesus. Bill Heibel talks about a holy discontent, a discontent that, that lives inside of us because we, we can see that there's things that, that aren't the way they should be. And for, for Bill Heibel's, it was as a young man where, where he's sitting in church and, and he looks around and he sees wonderful, beautiful people. But he doesn't see a passion for those who aren't in the church. He doesn't see a, a, a concern and, and a deep love for those who, who haven't accepted Jesus yet for their Savior. He said, People out there, Jesus loves just as much as the people here. And we've got to dedicate ourselves to getting out there and to sharing our faith with them so that they can know Jesus too. 
There are so many broken people, so many hurting people, so many lonely people. There are so many people who just drift through life with no meaning or purpose. And Jesus changes that. What's your holy discontent? What drives you? For me, it was working at a Christian community center. Working with, with dads who were addicted, who, who had broken marriages, who had been violent, whose kids were scared of them. And saying, Jesus can change you. Jesus can bring healing and hope. It's working with kids whose, whose parents were broken up, whose, whose parents neglected them and just kind of let them drift the streets. And saying, there is a father there who loves you more than anything else in the world. That's been my holy discontent. Well, what's yours? See, our main mission is to show the world who Jesus is. And it begins with the people we already know. So the questions to, to, to ask ourselves is, who is Jesus leading us to? Who are the people that Jesus has placed in your life who need to see Jesus' impact on your life, how he's transformed your life and who you are? And because of how you've been changed, they can feel Jesus' love through you. They need to hear an invitation to follow Jesus with you as you go through life. as you show them how God's story and your story are also intertwined with their story. So where is God leading you? Wrong question. Who is God leading you to? Amen. God, you love people so much. You don't let things like culture and, and language and all those things stand in the way. You prepare us and you have prepared us to be your presence. And Lord, you've given us the Holy Spirit so that even if we think we don't have the words, we don't have the strength or the courage, that we actually do. So Lord, help us to trust and to listen. To listen deeply to who you're leading us to. Amen.